we get started today, just a quick note from our editor, aka me. So this episode was recorded back on September 10th and uh, was intended to come out the week after. This obviously did not happen. A variety of reasons. Uh, an election that could have been an email was one of them. Just general busyness and a few times when I sat down to edit and realized Oh, I don't have my computer with the files. It is located somewhere else. Also, sometimes I just forgot. So, hopefully this episode is now airing and you're listening to this. But this is why this is now known as the cursed episode. And without further ado, let's get going. Welcome to Needs More Words a podcast about writing and reading, because we're all stuck on something. I'm Vicki. And I'm Margaret. And today we are going to be talking about writing prompts. Woohoo! What they are and how we go about using them. So before we get into that, this is going to be the final reminder that we are doing a Q&A. When this goes up, you probably will have about one week to get questions in. So if you have a burning question, now's the time to toss it our way or else we will just have to ask ourselves questions and eh, that could still be fun, but it'd be more fun to know what you want to know. So ask us about reading, ask us about writing. Probably don't ask us about Regency underwear. Yeah. And if you're really desperate, ask us about elephants. Yes, elephants are an acceptable topic. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the topic, Let's take a look at what we are writing and reading. So, Margaret, what have you been writing recently? So, not surprisingly, this is a bit of a rerun from last episode, but I am still working on revision notes for the unchosen ones, and I've had all sorts of fun with language dynamics. And it turns out that adding a prestige language is a really easy way to solve problems of why doesn't a character know this? I don't understand the prestige language. Hooray! because all the sources about this were written in fantasy Latin and the protagonist is a peasant. Side note, this also means the chosen one could not read a lot of the information about the prophecy, which probably contributed to the chosen one dying. Moment of silence for the chosen one. And then on with the plot. Mm -hmm. Given that that's basically the inside against it. Yeah, like, isn't that like he's dead by the end of chapter one? He dies in between chapter one and chapter two, yes. Hmm. As I said, it's the inciting incident. We got to incite some stuff. And it's also been really interesting because it's really informing the social dynamics of everything. And then I'm also having fun, you know, going through and figuring out where the other POVs are going to come in and how I'm going to insert those subplots. It's been a great time. And weirdly, what's helped really energize me for this is I am writing the most incredibly self-indulgent fanfic because if I don't indulge me, who will? The latest aspect of this being that I realize that there's no one who can stop me from adding a minor recurring character whose entire job is to bring the rest of the Rebels donuts. I mean, this shouldn't surprise no one. And in case you were wondering, and I had to look this up for two separate reasons within 24 hours, donuts are canon, bagels are not. So when, when did donuts come up in canon? Uh, quite a few times, generally at vending machines. Oh. Okay, the vending machines also canon. Good to know. So what are you writing that may or may not contain donuts? 
Well, it doesn't really contain donuts because it doesn't really contain anything. Uh, I haven't really worked on anything. Even my uh, my world building is sort of hit a kind of a natural stopping point, I guess. I considered writing things. At one point, thought I would try to go and uh, write something for September's Furious Fiction prompt, which we are going to talk about more later. But then I didn't. Furious Fiction's really awkward schedule-wise. Yeah, well, I, I was like, I'm not doing much this Saturday. And then I didn't think I ended up playing The Sims instead. And uh, That's a form of storytelling. Yes, I, all my storytelling has been Sims related. So, yeah, a uh, whole lot of nothing. On the plus side, NYC Midnight Round 2 it is starting tonight as of the, what time we're recording this. So I will have something to report on next episode. Yes, we will get that prompt in three hours and eight minutes. No, we're not counting it down. And the prompts, unlike the results, tend to be on time. <laughs> the, the prompts are almost always on time. I think there was only once that the website kept crashing to the point that they extended the deadline by half an hour so that we all actually had the full 48 hours. The results, on the other hand, are always late. Oh, pretty much always, yeah. Though, actually, I guess we did just get our results and we both got points. So yay, points. Uh, My murder fic got me second place, which was kind of exciting because I wasn't sure when I wrote it if I was good. It was supposed to be action adventure and I I tried my best to get some action in there and uh, I I was like, well, hopefully it's enough for the judges and apparently it was. So yay. I came in 11th, which means I got points in the dreaded political satire and that's all I can really ask for. Yeah, yeah, I said, I mean, points are always good and uh, hopefully we will both get better genres in a few hours. Indeed. More about that next time. But for now, what have you been reading? I'm still reading The Wayward Spider by John Haas, which is not a huge surprise given that I had just started reading it last time. It's still a humorous fantasy book from renaissance and it's still very funny and i'm having a great time and oh boy spider has gotten himself into a pickle by the way guys don't rob wizards seems like a good plan yeah so what are you reading well I, i'm still still working on Shadowfall. i've i've got less than 100 pages left it's just a matter of actually sitting down and reading it all everyone is making terrible choices uh now be fair a lot of time there weren't really many non-terrible options available to them because just everything is terrible right now but has Hera come back and discovered everything is on fire yet Hera has not come back so if she could get on that because she makes good choices and also because then Soren would be annoyed to find out by the way she's not dead Annoying sword does bring me joy. I figured it would. Yeah, I, I see if you recall, she comes back and she's kind of that gif of Troy showing up with the pizza. <laughs> uh, and even people who have watched very little of Community know exactly what gif you mean. Yep. She, she leaves this guy alone and now everything's on fire. Yeah, less literally this time than in book one, but... Say that's what happened. Only slightly less. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I guess we'll uh, wrap things up here and we'll be back in uh, after a break with our main topic. So, writing prompts. 
they're a fun way to get ideas. Not that ideas are usually the issue, but sometimes they're a good way to just nudge yourself when you're in a slump. Most often we seem to get these when we are writing for some sort of contest, but there are generators that you can just hit a button and get some stuff that you can try and put into a story with no actual rules. Yeah, I also find they can be really good when you want to write something short and all your existing ideas are big. Yes, they, ideas do have a bad habit of that. Yeah, we follow more in the Brandon Sanderson, let's write a giant brick than the uh, Mary Robnett Cowell master of short stories. I wouldn't say I'm full on brick, but I'd have to get more novel ideas than independent short story ideas. Yes. So to be fair, I, uh, well, other than maybe the Wheel of Time books, if they were the same length as the Jordan ones, I don't think Brandon Sanderson's usually writing that long, but he, it's funny every time we use him to writing excuses him, he'll talk about, so I tried to write a short story and end up with a novella instead, because that's literally the shortest he can write. It happens. But at least he writes. <laughs> yes, he is very consistent in the writing department. And so that's uh, always good for fans. I say this as someone who has never actually read one of his books, but I do own one of them. Yeah, I, I have a Brandon Sanderson book in my shame pile. So there's tons of types of prompts out there, but I'm going to talk about three different ones that I, I at least have had some experience with all three. And they're sort of representative of what prompts are in general for anyone who does not already know. So I think the, the type of one that NYC Midnight does is a pretty standard one where there's a few specific things you need to work with. There's a strict format that every contest has. It's generally genre, location, and object. I, I think some of the other ones, it's subject or character is the last item. Uh, short story was genre, character, and concept. Okay. Yeah. They give you three things. One of them is the genre, and there are two other things you need to work in. They're fairly open-ended to an extent. Most of the time, the biggest constraint is the genre. That can be annoying if you get the genre you don't like, but... It was interesting with Word Herd when they didn't give a genre. Yes. NYC Midnight, if you ever make the final round, it's an open genre, but you have to make the finals, which I've, I've done once, uh, and then I did really badly. That's still more than I've ever done. I've never advanced. So, for example, the one I, that I had last time, you've got Action Adventure, a Lakeshore, and Mushroom. And that was the prompt, and I had to do what I wanted with it. And that was nice. It, it, sometimes you get three things that do not seem like they fit together in any way. I need to put a what and a where. Yeah, like I remember my, uh, my first one was fantasy, a garbage dump, and a cigarette. And I'm like, two of those seem pretty modern. And I could have done urban fantasy, of course, but I didn't really want to. So I managed to find a way to make it more of a historical fantasy. My last round of NYC Midnight, you would think the hard part would have been the fact that I got freaking political satire. Mm -hmm. But no, it was, why would there be a freezer in a barber shop? NYC Midnight definitely, their prompts are completely randomized. Yeah, to the point that when I got fairy tale, a border crossing and a pacifier, I was actually staring at it going, those actually seem like they go together. Is that allowed? <laughs> 
The other two types we're going to talk about are ones that someone has specifically thought. So Furious Fiction is a monthly contest run by the Australian Writers Association. The first weekend of every month this runs, it is a 500 word contest. The biggest challenge, in fact, ends up being remembering that the time difference means it's actually due at like 8 a.m. on Sunday morning if you happen to be in Eastern time zone like both of us are. Yes. But it's great to, that the Australians have a contest when they are not dealing with the fact that its deadline is in Eastern time. Yes, yes. All's fair. For NYC Midnight, I no doubt they have, uh, if you're in Australia, it works the opposite way. Except it's probably like Monday at 8 a.m. that it ends. Anyway, the Furious Fiction stuff, they usually have some similar things, but there's almost always words you must include in your story. And then there's just other random things. Like, I don't know, sometimes they've done a picture prompt. So the one was for September, which just passed, of course, would be your story must include either an attic or a basement. Your story must include some kind of insect. And your story must include the words earth, wind, fire, and water. Were there bonus points for including the word heart? No, no, but the Fire Nation may attack at any time. Oh, phrases that have been ruined forever. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, children's cartoon series. Also the craft. So calling the elements and all of that. Yeah, that's quite a bit to get into 500 words. It is. But four of the words, you already know what they are. There's that. And probably one of the words will be attic or basement. (laughs) Presumably. And another word will be whatever kind of insect you're putting in this attic or basement. I have written a few restrictions in the past and... They're, they're even more open-ended than anything else. Also, working in the words can get kind of interesting. It's a fun challenge. I really would like to do it more. I just realized what this reminds me of. Hmm? When we used to do the House Cup. Oh, yeah. This is very definitely similar to House Cup challenges. So on a Star Wars forum called TheForest.net, there was a Harry Potter competition. For some reason. <laughs> because, of course, there was. And this was many years ago when liking Harry Potter was less complicated. And yes, there was challenges that were like this, where you had to fit specific weird things into your stories. Though at least there wasn't a word count on those typically, so you weren't suddenly finding yourself, okay, now I have five less words to choose from. Which is good, because sometimes, usually at least one of the props was some weird quote of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Possibly taken from my I am conversations. So yes, there's definitely is it a, a fun drop, pretty challenging because they're almost in some ways too open-ended. Also, the one of the last times I really tried to do it, I had a good idea of how to work the prompt in, but I had no plot to go with it. So I, I ended up not actually finishing that story because I was like, it's not going anywhere. And there's only 500 words. I've got a setting with no story. Yeah. And finally, I, I've just learned about this thing called the First Line Literary Journal which is, I, I believe, quarterly journal, and every issue, all the stories start with the same first line, which I think is kind of brilliant. Yeah, it's a neat idea to see how many directions that line can go in. Mm-hmm. I looked up what the, what the current one, they're taking submissions. Uh, if anyone wants to go in, I think their submissions run until November. Maybe this should be what I work on after NYC Midnight. <laughs> uh, winter 2021's first line is, later that evening, they sat alone in their apartment, Wondering if they had made the right decision. Oh, that line has potential. It's interesting because 
this one I mean, it tells you actually very little, but there's also a lot there. I mean, you've got an apartment, so we're suggesting at least a modern-ish setting. Obviously, you've got two people, or I guess you actually you could have one person who uses they/them pronouns, and you've got obviously a decision that was difficult. Was yeah, it was difficult, and maybe they have made a mistake. So it's definitely an interesting take. I've always find even with the more specific like NYC midnight style prompts, what is always really interesting is how everyone goes completely different ways. Yeah. You can listen to our NYC Midnight Round 3 episode if you want to hear what happened when we both wrote the same prompt. Mm-hmm. Mine had an alien toaster, hers had exploding magic. As one does. So now that we kind of discussed the different types of prompts that we personally have experience with, hey, you know, if you've seen other cool prompts, please let us know because I'm always interested to see how, how you get the juices going. Oh, and I guess I do need to give a brief shout out to fan fiction exchanges where you forget to say that you don't write AUs. Yes, yes. Fan fiction exchanges are always, always fun where you get some, you know, prompt that someone really wants. I mean, the bonus there is that prompt is, well, I was going to say the prompt's going to make sense, but it is fandom, so it might not. But depends who you get matched with. If you get matched with that one person that you don't, can't stand at the fandom. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't. but they're more likely to make sense. Like you get the prompt about Admiral Cornwell from Star Trek Discovery meeting one of the earlier hosts of the Dax symbiote. It's a thing that's going to make sense. <laughs> kind of. Or you get asked for Nadalma Roslin fic when Laura's family is still alive and you know damn well that they wanted AU where the att- attacks don't happen. And you instead keep the attacks and write out the car accident because... It did fit the letter of the prompt. Once you send the prompt out there, it belongs to the writer and they will give you what they interpret out of it. So yes, that's, you know, various places we've done with prompts. So I guess the question is, once we have a prompt, what is our process like for coming up with a story? Yes. So for me, the first thing is always just, you know, does anything immediately jump out to me from the prompt? For example, with my last NYC Midnight story, uh, the mushrooms, because I had been listening to all things Roman, immediately I thought of Emperor Claudius's murder and I just stuck with that because I was excited by the idea. And I also thought it was probably gonna be unique to uh, what everyone else was doing. I feel like very few people would have immediately jumped to Claudius's murder, but you definitely also did it because mushrooms are the food of the gods. Yes, yes, apparently. I, this is one of, one of my judges pointed out, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know how much people would get if they didn't weren't, weren't knowledgeable in ancient Rome and didn't know that mushrooms were the food of the gods. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. So, hey, cool. They also killed Emperor Claudius. So uh, I don't think he thought they were the food of the gods, though I guess he did become deified after. So sure, yeah, it tracks. From a certain point of view. <laughs> So yeah, so sometimes it's, it takes a little more work, but that, that would have had an immediate direction. Uh, I will say that is rare. Yeah, I usually kind of futz around and try to, try to find ways that parts of the prompt could connect, which sometimes takes the form of, I need a what and a where. <laughs> yeah. With quite possibly my favorite thing I've ever written for NYC Midnight, which is Duties and Customs. You know, my 
wait, those actually seem like they go together. Is that a loud prompt? Fairy tale, a boarding crossing, and a pacifier, that all comes together as you know, the pacifier is clearly in the mouth of a firstborn. Mm-hmm. And hey, we're trying to get her across the borders crossing. Wait, th- th- there's a whole story here now. Yeah, it's really nice when that happened. I remember I said that. That was definitely an A plus prompt. Yeah, like my most recent NYC Midnight was, I hate that freaking freezer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the object is actually said that for me, the, the object being the key point is very rare. My favorite ones, I've at least been able to use the object in an interesting way, but Sometimes, like there was once the object was earplugs and literally I just had the, a line mentioned earplugs and that was it. Someone was going through a box, there were earplugs in the box. Yeah, the most central my object has ever been was definitely uh, the hero they need where my prompt was drama, a warehouse and a punching bag. So that all came together with the tense conversation happening while punching the bag, <laughs> which had a lot of movement to the scene and everything, which is good because drama was drama. Yeah, not my favorite genre to get. It's such a vague genre, and it runs very counter to what I usually write. Yeah, my best stories have been the ones where I could at least connect two things. To go back to my fantasy, a garbage dump, a cigarette, I still think out of all the things I've written, that's the best it's my favorite thing. It's the one I want to actually take that whole world and write stories in the, that world and expand that one as well. And I did manage to get everything, you know, pretty central and kind of managed to tie everything together in an interesting way. I thought it was interesting. I, I won my group. So the judges, I guess, also thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, I will say that most of my idea of that freaking freezer, <laughs> I hate that freezer so much. I'll just wait, you'll get something worse tonight. But the where that did come together really nicely was setting political satire in a barber shop. Yes, yeah. Because that gave me the idea of the barber hearing everything. Hmm. And from there, we kind of landed at the absurdity of conspiracy theories. Yeah. So another thing I do, especially, listen, I mean, we're obviously going to talk most about NYC Midnight because we both have more experience with their prompts than anyone else. But when it is a contest, I usually come up with a few different ideas and the ones I think are the most obvious interpretations, I scratch out because I expect they're the ones most likely someone else is going to do something similar. I do like to go for the, you know, ones that no one else would think of it quite this way. Like again, the mushrooms and Claudius's murder, or. I don't think word heard expected me to take taste tester immediately to poison tester. (laughs) Yes, but you had murder on the brain. And it just worked out well. And then in that case, you know, I going back to connecting things, actually, you were the one who gave me the connection that gave me the plot, which that one, it was a character and I can't remember what they called the other thing, but the other half of that prompt was ignoring someone. So you, you made an offhand comment about, well, I hope it's not the poison tester being ignored. Then I decided that sounded like a plot. Yeah, it was a good one. I, I really enjoyed that story. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do more with that one. I, I like how that turned out. And leave it to me to write something funny about regicide. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it should surprise no one who's listened to this podcast for more than, say, five minutes that we like to go the non-obvious route. 
more fun. Yeah. I said, at least, you know, you'll be, you know, even if it doesn't maybe work, it'll at least be unique. That's it. I feel like sometimes I have a 50-50 chance of having a false start. <laughs> I, I had more false starts before I started taking more time. And which is why for the contest, I spend most of my first day just thinking of it, assuming I have time on the Sunday to actually write. Yeah. Not always the case. And I mean, the false start, it usually still contains a fair bit of what I wrote, other than when I had drama. But even then, it was still two sisters arguing about something. I just, I just dramatically changed it from professional boxing to being Batman. <laughs> but like when the, both had the same NYC Midnight prompt, I knew there were two ways I could take that prompt. And I tried the one that wasn't work, going to work first. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's just a case of, oh, this story about regicide would be way funnier in first person. Yeah. Luckily you had time to uh, be non-committal. Because I will say there, there have definitely been times when I have, you know, I've thought about it all on Saturday and I've sat down on Sunday and I'm writing it and I do not think it's working. And I just sort of have to power through. They've worked okay for the most part. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with most of my stories written for NYC Midnight. Only one did I, I absolutely hate. And then it won the group. So what do I know? Apparently not as much as the judges. <laughs> so I guess the other thing to think about is with the prompts is... Sometimes there are actually some constraints built into the prompt. The biggest one for this was once I had the genre was historical fiction and the object was a bike pump. And so I had to look up when a bike pump was invented. When did we start using bike tires that had a tube in them? Yeah, it definitely limits your eras. Yes, yes. So you, you had to need to either have your historical fiction set after bike pumps were invented or you need to write in William Murdoch and just have him invent them for you 20 years too soon. Because, I mean, there's no reason for him to not invent it with the technology available at the time. No, luckily, I think that one, actually, that one had a border crossing as well. That was what the, uh, or... It was, I think it was a checkpoint. Everything sort of steered me towards World War II historical fiction, which is the least original historical fiction out there. But uh, I, I was actually pretty happy with my story. I would actually like to uh, go back to that one and expand it a bit because it was kind of cute. Yeah, that one was neat. I actually think if I was to write it back, I would probably might take out the bike pump or you know make a few changes. I mean, that damn freezer is turning into a fridge. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Because putting your cell phone in a freezer is actually a terrible idea. Yeah. And then, of course, there's also, particularly again, to go back to NYC Midnight, um, the big constraint sort of is the genre itself and just figuring out what do you mean by this genre like uh i mean how i saved myself with action adventure was i latched onto the fact that they had the james bond movies listed as action adventure and i'm like okay well there's something like i like i like casino royale so one bond movie i like and i'm like okay i can kind of make it sort of a you know sneaky spy type secret mission action adventure thing because that was the only way that this was working and uh you mean you didn't want to write die hard die hard bored me i so i've never actually made it all the way through the movie i think i've seen part of die hard i i've seen um um alan rickman fall to his death does that count that is part of die hard i think <laughs> yeah i i've and I, i've seen um Jake Peralta reenact a bunch of scenes. Oh, yeah, yes, we've definitely seen that. <laughs> I've probably seen more of Jack Peralta as McCain than the actual John McCain. So, uh, 
Uh, also, I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Anyway, props. <laughs> yeah. See, is that sort of a, the process of where once we've got a prompt, you know, some various strategies, things to do. So now, to the great excitement of we are going to do an example prompt that we have not figured out beforehand. And we will both talk about that prompt right now. And then I will get to edit this and make it sound like we were more brilliant than when we were exactly as brilliant as we were going to be. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so one second. So I am using PlotGen Pro. Uh, it's an app on Android. We will link to it in the show notes. So we do get to pick a genre. Knowing us, do you want sci-fi slash space or fantasy slash magic? Uh, I've been writing a lot of sci-fi lately, so let's do fantasy. All right. Fantasy slash magic. So this prompt is going to give us a location, a character, a detail, and an objective. All right. Basically how this app works is I press the button until it tells me one that I like, but I don't want to do it that well. So Margaret, tell me a, a number between one and 10. Five. Five. All right. We're going to go one, two, three, four, five. Our location, you live in a very religious yet corrupt empire. All right. So for character, number one through 10. Okay. Three. Three. One, two, three. You are a well-liked sailor. Uh, next is detail. Number for that, please. Seven. You have a mythical sword that poisons your enemies when it touches them. And objective. Uh, two. You are searching for a cure to a deadly spell. To review, you live in a very religious yet corrupt empire. You are a well-liked sailor. You have a mythical sword that poisons your enemies when it touches them. And you are searching for a cure to a deadly spell. Okay, so a smuggler has touched themselves with their own magic sword. That one actually came together really fast. I don't know. I, I, would, I would go with, you know, a deadly spell that, you know, is a little more epic. I think that's what, that's what I would definitely latch onto for, because that's obviously driving some stakes and plots. I'd be like, your whole town is under a deadly spell, and no one is doing anything to fix it because they think that it is God's punishment. But you are like, no, I don't think it is. And because I'm a well-liked sailor, I can get myself a ragtag crew. And with my mythical sword, I can go on a quest and find a cure and prove that it is not just that we are terrible people punished by God, but that we are under a deadly spell and we can be saved. I don't think that idea is a short story anymore. I mean, I didn't didn't promise that it would be. Um, I don't think that is a short story either. Uh, I do think it's kind of an interesting one. So I might actually, I think I'm going to email this to myself and I uh, might put that yeah. in my Evernote for later. Yeah, like I think what I came up with is short story size. What you came up with is not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it needs to be novella. I think it can be like maybe novelette length. It could be a longer short story. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many mice quotients uh things do we have in there <laughs> i don't know the mice quotient well enough to actually answer that question sorry uh, so you, you definitely got an event which is a spell mm -hmm. uh you've got an investigation yes. element and c is characters yeah like it doesn't feel very archy for our main character so i don't think we have a c Mm -hmm. It's not really Amelia unless he needs to escape from the crypt. Yeah. Okay. So we've got two, two mice quotient elements in there. So, and plus that we've got immediate stakes. So that's cool. 
I also, in this case, kind of went with your take of trying to find ways to connect things, you know, deadly spell, how can that connect to the religious yet corrupt empire? Clearly, someone in the corrupt empire has actually cast this spell. Yes. And they, but they're trying to pass it off as the wrath of God, uh, because they can. So it's probably an evil priest, because that's an original. And yeah, okay, that was cool. Want to do another one? Sure. All right, let, let's uh, throw. Let's go to sci-fi space. Uh, so this one for sci-fi space, uh, it gives you a location, a complication, a character, and a detail. So for location, what's my number? Nine. You are traveling to the location of a reported anomaly in space. Complication. Five. The explosion from an antimatter collision sends you to a universe with an alternate history. Because that works for a short story. <laughs> character. Three. Your character is an influential government figure with access to almost everything. And detail. Seven. Medical advances have extended the average lifespan to several hundred years. Okay, well that detail feels incidental. Yes, which is probably good because that complication seems really big. So to get recap, you are traveling to the location of a reported anomaly in space, the explosion from an antimatter collision, probably the anomaly, sends you to a universe with an alternate history. Your character is an influential government figure with access to almost everything, and medical advances have extended the average lifespan to several hundred years. In that case, I'm probably making this character several hundred years old, because mm -hmm. they're influential government figure with access to almost everything. Uh, we're going to travel to find a location to report an anomaly, and the reported anomaly is going to be the antimatter collision that sends them to universe with an altered history where bad things have happened and and suddenly you're not an influential government figure with access to almost everything you are a nobody with access to nothing yes my, my immediate thought is i like the fact that this influential government figure is suddenly in completely over their head out of their depth and their usual methods are useless yeah yeah that's definitely a character i would write <laughs> yeah that was actually another good one also i'm pretty sure that just generated an episode of star trek i mean that does sound star trekky the alternate history, I feel like, again, this is going to be probably a longer-ish short. So I actually feel like this one's probably longer than my story of the last one, just because to make an alternate history work, you sort of need to establish the default well enough so that, that when it's an alternate person can be like, oh, this is weird. Instead of it just being like, I'm in an alternate universe. This happens here. And we're like, yeah, okay. And, and why is that different from what you're used to? Yeah, like just branching off from existing history, it's not going to accomplish as much in a far future setting. Yeah, yeah, you can't just use the shorthand of now we are in the Napoleonic Wars, but with dragons. Yeah, yeah, you really need to have established, which is probably why this sounds like an episode of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. This is this sounds like a subplot within a much larger thing. Unlike the last one, we've got a clear character for our mice quotient. And, and we, we've got a milieu, which is your alternate history mm -hmm. and an investigation, which is how the heck do I get out of here? Yeah. So I like both of these prompts enough that I will hold on to them. Yeah. And I feel like there was an, a, there was an event story going on within the larger plot line, which is whatever caused all of this. Yes. Yes. Which, you know, may or may not be solved by the end. I mean, maybe, maybe they have to make a new antimatter like, I feel like the, the event storyline is, in fact, the season-long arc. <laughs> yes. Plot Gen Pro. 
It's good. It's fun. It can also give you action thriller, misfortune drama, murder scene, horror suspense, romance, superheroes, apocalypse, and mystery. It's uh, definitely something, you know, find is useful to just pull out and, you know, be like, hey, I want to write something, but I have no ideas. And when you're not doing it for pure randomness, you can actually go through and decide which, you know, elements you want most and actually force them to correspond to each other and avoid something that is going to lead you to writing thousands and thousands of words. Like that last one. We're very glad that in the flash fiction contest, people use this plot generator. Uh, there's just too many parts to the plot generator. Uh, this one, it's, it's too much, too much detail to work in. To do each part justice requires, you know, enough words to world build it. <laughs> I mean, a rough, you know, guess would be that each of those elements is going to be a thousand words per element. Minimum. Yeah. And that might still be pretty, you know, cutting it close. So, all right. Well, I guess that sort of finishes our talks about prompts, which is, you know, getting a creative juices going, which would be helpful when we go back into the NYC Midnight Flash Fiction chaos this weekend. So uh, I guess we will take another short break and we'll be back with our AGA. Yay, AGA. So that brings us to our HEA, or Happily Ever After, part of the show where we talk about what's making us happy. So Vicky, what's making you happy? So today I finally decided it was time to put my old Google Pixel 2XL to rest because it was acting up and using up my data when there's perfectly good Wi-Fi to connect to. So now I have a new phone, which is the Google Pixel 5. Uh, it is in a sparkly case, which makes me happy too. And uh, this is also really easy to set up. So all my apps are already on it and I've signed into most of them. And uh, yeah, now it's always nice to have a new phone and I'm, I need to figure out some of the new features that it has introduced and see if they're available in Canada. There was one that sounded cool, but then might only be in the US, which would be less cool. Yeah, I, I recently got the... <laughs> And recently, I mean, within the past couple of weeks, got the 4A, largely because none of the stores had the 5. Yeah, apparently Fido was hoarding them, so they had them. But yeah, yeah I, I might have been able to order it online, but I'm traumatized by all the angry people I've had to deal with who ordered their phones online. <laughs> Yeah, this one worked out really well. And I guess I got the new case. The only problem was I, I used the Moft X stand on the back. And I guess their their new one, I didn't realize the new that their the newer ones are magnetic rather than having an adhesive sticker on them. And so I don't actually have the magnet for it to stick to yet. So uh, that should be delivered sometime tomorrow. And then I will have a stand, which is nice because I've actually, you know, I've been sitting here watching Netflix and stuff and uh it has been annoying. Yes, new phones are always useful, especially if they're chewing through your mobile data. <laughs> yes, yes, that was uh, definitely kind of annoying. And I mean, honestly, I, it had been on my mind for a while that I needed to replace it because it was well, at least a year past its end of life, end of support date. And as someone who works in network security, that did not make me feel great to still be using an unsupported device. But I also thought I should get as much use out of it. And, and, and otherwise was working okay, though it's, its battery life has definitely gone down over the last couple of months, which is not really that unexpected. 
Yeah, yeah, battery life is what pushed me over the edge. So what is making you happy, Margaret? Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Or in other words, I've been watching the DuckTales reboot. Yay, DuckTales! Woo! Yes, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm still on season one. It's really neat that Huey, Dewey, and Louie have distinct personalities now. Ooh, just not distinct names. Nope, though they do all have full names that they use when they're mad at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's really fun. It's really clever, funny. They just did a really good show. It's just been a lot of fun. I realize I don't actually super remember a lot of details about the original DuckTales. I think this has got a little more actually having an overarching plot than the original DuckTales did. But mostly just a lot of fun and now you all have the theme song stuck in your head. Laughing like a hurricane here in Duckburg. I don't know the rest of the words to the actual song. Da, 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 da. Or rewrite history. Like history. Just that like they did earlier in our approach. Yes, it all ties together. Our podcast ties together. Our stories tie the prompt together. Hooray. And that kind of ties our whole episode together. Yes, yes. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And remember, you've got one week left to send in those questions to get some answers. You can email us, needsmorewords at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Twitter at needsmorewords, our Facebook group, needsmorewords podcast. Leave a comment on our website, needsmorewords.com. Or if you really want to guarantee that you get an answer, Send us some money at ko-fi.com slash needs more words podcast, and we will definitely answer your question and we might even put you first. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye. Needs More Words is hosted by Vicki Martin and Margaret Hansen. This episode was edited by Vicki Martin. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Needs More Words. 